of my favorite churches uh, for many reasons. Number one reason is the way that you respond to the Word of God and you pray and seek the face of God. Uh, I'll just tell you that is something that does not happen in every church, and I uh, am so thankful, and I know what happens when people do that. And so I am so excited to see what God is going to do in the very, very near future. I believe that you are going to enter into a new season of outpouring and harvest that is unprecedented, like nothing you have ever seen before. And I just feel like shouting about it today before it ever happens. Amen. And getting excited about it today. Amen. Romans chapter number 11 and verse number 16. And while you're turning there, royalty once again for treating my wife and I like absolute royalty. Uh, uh, It could not be any better. Uh, We've had home-cooked meals that you wouldn't find. Ruth, Chris, or any of those five-star dinings would not compare Uh, with the way we have been treated. Thank you for a beautiful basket, a beautiful motel room, and uh, your friendships. Uh, It's just been just wonderful. If you haven't had a chance to meet my wife, she is the classiest, finest woman in the world. And uh, the Lord had mercy on me, and he knew I needed to marry way over my head. And so I am a recipient of the goodness of God. I love my wife. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Whatever the root is, It's going to be reproduced in the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them, notice this phrase, partakers, partakest of the root, the fatness of the olive tree. You may be seated. If we could have our first slide up there. We understand that Roots are very, very important to the life of a tree. We live, uh, of course, in uh, northern California in the heart of the redwood trees. And uniquely to the redwood tree, which is the tallest tree in the world, it has the most shallow root system of all of the trees. It doesn't have a main tap root that runs down. Rather, its root system runs along very shallow, oftentimes along the top of the ground. And uh, the strength of the redwood tree is in, in the fact that it grabs another redwood tree. And together and in unity, they support uh, a forest or a group of trees together. Nobody's into roots for the most part. Rarely do you drive up to a garden setting or somebody's yard and say, wow, look at the roots. They're unseen, they're unknown, but we understand that what is above ground is only the result of what you can see with your eyes above ground and uh, uh, or beneath the ground. It's the root system that 
it brings the nutrients out of the soil and supplies the beautiful foliage and the blossoming flowers and trees. It's the root system that uh, fights off disease. It's the root system that stores necessary nutrients. And when the wind blows, as it's going tonight to do tonight, some people said up to 50 miles an hour gust, that, that uh, according to its root system, it can withstand a 50 or perhaps a 100-mile-hour gust. The permanence of a tree is because of the root system. Uh, Jesus talked about the root system. You remember when he talked about the parables of four grounds, and he said that the roots could not go down in the stony ground because the soil was full of rocks, and so... Uh, he likened that unto a certain group of people. John the Baptist talked about roots in his message as he was declaring to prepare the way of the Lord. He said, if you want to get serious about following God, following the master, you lay the axe at the root of the tree. Because if you sever the root, you're going to, of course, sever the tree. Uh, Jude talks about roots. He's describing somebody that is totally backslidden from God. And he says that they are twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Whereas there is a blessing that the book of Psalms talks about of a root system that is healthy, that has found its nutrients in the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man. The Bible says, a man that meditates upon the word of God, his roots shall be like someone planted by the rivers of life that bringeth forth fruit and its season. It was about a year and a half ago we had a father-son and a father-grandfather, uh, my father, uh, gathering that we did together and we had such a, a wonderful, wonderful Time. We met in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We were hunting mule deer and we were having such a great time. We had uh, rented horses and every morning we would get up about three o'clock in the morning, feed the horses and we would head up well before dark, several hours and we would be on top of the mountain away from camp and and uh, we're having a great time hunting. We're having a great time of making memories with father and grandfather and son. And on one particular day, we had hunted and we'd come back to camp. Uh, my, my father was not hunting, so it was really tough. We would radio on the radios and say, we're coming down the mountain. Have hot soup ready for us. And he would have hot soup ready for me and my son and and uh, it was a wonderful day as we sat around campfire that day. A, a ranger came by to make sure that we did not have a campfire in our camp. Of course, we were following protocol. We didn't have a campfire. This is when a lot of fires were taking place in the, in the area, in California, Utah, Idaho, etc. 
And uh, she began to tell us that there had been some recent fires. She said, in fact, there had been 30 fires that they quickly had extinguished. And, and she said, we know that they were hunters that started that fire. And I inquisitively asked, how do you know they were uh, hunters? She said, well, they were on the upper third of the slope and only uh, uh, hunters are up there. And she said, uh, by and large, they were all root fires. And I had never heard the term root fire before, so inquisitively I asked her again, I said, what is a root fire? And she said, well, a root fire is simply what the terminology is. It's when they start a fire and uh, it burns down into the roots of that tree and uh, it starts a fire. If we could have the next slide here. This would be a picture of a root fire. Uh, Oftentimes, if we could have the next slide up there, oftentimes when we see a root fire, uh, uh, it doesn't always start right where the tree at. Uh, A hunter could come out in the middle of a clearing and he could dig a, 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 a nice place for a fire, not even know that there is a root under there but just clear a little spot off the brush around it so it doesn't catch the forced fire on fire, start his fire. And little does he know that that, go, that fire goes down, finds a root, and that tree may be standing all the way over there by that wall, but that fire starts right here. And in the process of time, it burns underground and then explodes up that tree trunk. Thus, there were 30 fires Uh, during the time that we were traveling there. The Holy Ghost began to speak to my mind about uh, some Holy Ghost root fires. He began to speak to my heart and say, John, you need to do a little study about root fires because not every fire that erupts started in that place where the original fire was. They started the fire here, but it erupts over there because it burns underground in the root system. I'll just get to the good part right now. I believe that the fire this Jesus church has started in Watertown, South Dakota, has the potential to tap into the root system of an entire state and district. The fire starts here. It burns underground and then blows up the side of a city uh, and nobody will see it coming. Nobody is going to know until there is an explosion of an apostolic root fire in the name of Jesus. Now to a fireman, a fireman hates roots fire. You talk to any fireman that works out in the woods and they will tell you that they hate root fires because root fires can smolder, are you ready for this, for years before they explode up a tree. A root fire can smolder when there's snow on the ground because it's underneath its subsurface fire and uh, they don't know where it's at to put it out. And then number three, it's very, very 
dangerous for them because they can walk out if they perhaps sense it, if they can smell the fire, if they get too close, they can actually fall into the pit of where a root fire is burning. Perhaps today you're jumping ahead a little bit to see the spiritual analogy. I want to preach to you. I preach to you Sunday about a fig tree moment and a God that saw, saw you before you saw him and challenged our hearts and minds that there must be a deliverance in our mind where we can totally trust and believe God. Last night, the word of the Lord instructed us that there are still mighty men and women of God that's serving the Lord that is wholly going to fulfill the plan of God in this generation and rid the land of every demonic spirit and every stronghold of hell. I believe it with all of my heart uh, that through your words and through your commitments and through your prayers uh, there's going to be deliverances that come to groups of people Uh, there's going to be deliverances that come to reservations Uh, there's going to be deliverances that come to people that are broken Uh, there's going to be deliverance through the power of the Holy Ghost uh, because the Lord Jesus Christ uh, created this land and he died on Calvary for this land it does not belong to the adversary it belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are now the flesh of God to this generation your prayers matter now tonight we're going to tell you how it's going to happen it's not by might and it's not by power but it's by the spirit of God that resides inside of you the devil are you ready the devil cannot stop the revival that's coming to South Dakota. The devil cannot stop it. Just like they cannot stop a fire that's under the ground. There are some things the adversary can not stop. He can huff, he can puff, he can accuse, and he can roar like a lion, but the guy is on a chain. He can only go so far. He has to ask permission, and God puts bounds on him. And in the name of Jesus Christ, there is going to be a Holy Ghost eruption of fire because it's in your roots. And as a fireman does not want the task of trying to find and put out a root fire, I'll just give warning to the devil today. I know we talk about him being strong, but he doesn't want to be around an apostolic church. He doesn't want to be around a blood-bought believer. From the greatest to the smallest among us, when you're in covenant Jesus Christ, when you've been baptized in his name, when you're living under the covering of the blood your prayers are powerful the enemy cannot stand the Bible says you resist him and he must flee second Timothy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee one in five I'm reading for which dwelt, watch this, first 
in thy grandmother Lois and then in thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that it is also in thee. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is given to thee by putting on of hands. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Can I remind this great group of people here tonight that when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was no small deal. It's more than a certificate that you got and you framed and put on your wall. The fact that Christ lives inside of you. The fact that a Holy God made temple and says, I am now habiting inside of you is no small thing. When his name comes to you at baptism, you step into covenant for life and that is no small thing every story you read in the Bible you better not long and wish for it anymore you need to claim it because that same God lives inside of you every miracle you read in the Bible you need to say God I want you to do it in my lifetime I thank God for the revivals overseas but dear God let those kind of revivals happen in South Dakota let it happen in the Jesus church. That same God. It's that same God. It's now inside of you. We love to read about a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb is such a fascinating character. He's one of two, two people out of two million that made it into the promised land. It's a beautiful story. I love when he flexes his spiritual muscles and he says, I'm as strong as I am today as I was 45 years ago when I got my promise. He said, I'm going to go in and come out. You know what he was saying on that day? Caleb was saying, I'm not ready to retire. I'm not ready to hang it up. I'm just experiencing the prime of my life serving the Lord. And I believe the same God that brought us out of Egypt, he said, is going to give me my inheritance. He was 85 years of age. You read his wonderful story. He defeated three giants by himself. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. But if you turn the next page, there is a story that's not as familiar when you get to Joshua chapter number 15. Begins to talk about Caleb's family. He has three sons and a daughter by the name of Aksa. Aksa in in the 15th chapter uh, begins uh, a new life of marriage. And and Othniel is her husband. And and, uh, uh, the father Caleb gave them some property uh, and said, I'm going to give you this family property and I want you to be blessed in your new marriage, in your new life. But something was in Aksab that uh, was in her daddy, if you would. See her coming off of the mountain. She's riding her, her donkey or her horse on that day. 
Daddy Caleb's on, on the porch. He's in his rocking chair. The love of his life, his baby girl, is coming down the road. This was the happiest time for him to have fellowship and communion with this baby girl. But when she rounds the corner, he sees a fire in her eye that he's only seen a few times. She's not here just to drink tea on this day with Daddy, but she's here with the fiery request. The smoke's still in the air as that horse slides to a stop. She slides out of that saddle, mounts the couple stairs there, two at a time, and says, Tina, 19, she said, give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a Southland. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs, and he gave her the lower or the nether springs. How did she have the audacity to ask for more? Her husband, Othniel, was not the one. Perhaps he said, oh, I can't ask my father-in-law for something more. He's already given us all the land, and we can make the best of this. But she looked around. She said, what good is this land if we don't have a spring to water it? And so she said, I'm going to go ask my dad if he'll just give us that spring. Daddy can't tell me no. I know daddy will give it to me. And out the door she goes before husband Othniel can stop her. How did she have that kind of audacity to ask outrageously for daddy to give her more? I'll tell you how. It was Caleb that had the wild faith that said, give me my mountain that was prophesied and promised to me 45 years earlier. uh, There was something passed down uh, in the DNA roots uh, that wasn't afraid to ask. uh, That they said, I know my dad. uh, If he has the possibility, daddy will give it to me. I would take God, that that same spirit would arise in every one of your hearts here today. Daddy will give it to you if you're not afraid to ask of him. The end of Malachi chapter 4 says, I'm going to send you the promise of Elijah the prophet before the great day of the Lord. And then 400 years of silence. (coughs) Do you realize how long 400 years is? This is 2021. Let's just say 2022 in a couple weeks here. Knock off 400 years, 1622. Think of all the rhema that God has spoken since 16 and 22. What is that, the Renaissance era? All the, the stuff that's happened since then. Not a single word for 400 years. But one day, while Zacharias was going through the duties of being a priest. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, a king of Judea, a certain priest by the name of Zacharias, 
of the chorus of Abia and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. You know who Aaron was? Uh, that was Moses' brother, the first high priest. Uh, that was the one that traveled with Moses halfway up the mountain with the other 70 and saw the glory. Uh, it was Aaron uh, that was the spokesman for his brother. Uh, he was Aaron's rod that There was something in this family. And the word of the Lord came to that high priest and his wife and said, you're going to have a promised son. But wait, time out. They're not even praying for the miracle anymore. They had given up praying for the miracle. Her womb was barren. They couldn't have children. It's been 500 years since an angel visitation. It's been 400 years since a word from the Lord. It's been 500 years since they've seen a miracle. But on this day, an angel appeared and said, remember that old prayer you prayed? The fire is going to come again. And something that hadn't happened, they say it was 400 years of silence or 400 silent years uh, under the ground. Uh, The promise of Malachi uh, that the spirit of Elijah would come uh, and it came. Uh, It burned underground 400 years. Uh, But when John the Baptist ministered, uh, they said he comes uh, in the spirit uh, of Elijah. 400 years it burned underground. But when God gives you a promise, it will come to pass. Most of those 30 hunters in Wyoming didn't even know they had started a fire. If you're an outdoorsman, you love the outdoors. You pack your trash out. They thought they had put their fire out. But little did they know that underneath that bed of ashes, uh, there were some coals uh, that had tapped into, I don't know, it may have been a five-minute prayer request you had on the way to work. It may have been a prayer you prayed 20 years ago in the shower. You don't even know what it did. Uh, It wasn't angels. Uh, It wasn't a demon-possessed person uh, with sulfur breath and beady eyes. Uh, But something happened in the spirit without you even knowing it. Oh dear God it's not just another prayer meeting it's a time to light some roots on fire that it can burn and do the purpose and the will of God. So I say it again and the devil can't stop it. The devil cannot stop it. Political persuasion cannot stop it. Opinions cannot stop it. Magistrates cannot stop it. Uh, Governors can blue, red. Uh, It does not matter uh, because when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. 
It's just like a football team when there's 10 seconds left in a game and they're on the goal line a yard away and the clock's ticking down and they got one more play. They all line up. You know it's going to go to the fullback and he's going to do a draw play right through the middle. Jesus came into this world as a fulfillment of detailed prophecy. God let every demon in hell know that it was going to come in a certain town in a certain way and it was going to be a virgin and call his name thus. He laid it out. He gave the enemy the playbook and he said, I dare you to stop me. That's just like a football team not telling the opponent team, I'm going to hand the ball off to him and he's going to cram it down your throat and go across that finish line. I just dare you to stop me. That's how in time apostolic root fire is going to be. The adversary cannot stop revival in South Dakota. Come on, are there any believers here tonight? That believe in the power of heaven. We had, when I say the sweetest little old lady, she was the dictionary definition of the sweetest old lady. Her name is Opal Fike, pure as the driven snow, poor as church mice, never missed a church service. She thought her pastor was the greatest preacher in all of the world. Sister Opal Fike had her beginning days in Louisiana. In fact, she was instrumental in winning Bobby Wendell, who was a pioneer missionary to Africa. All the war crusades that Brother Teclamary and Brother Cole, that was all after Bobby Wendell went to Africa and she started her great revival in the leper colony. It's a great testimony. Well, Opal Fike is the one that was instrumental in winning Bobby Wendell. She lives in Eureka to a man who has since passed. His name is Lonnie. Lonnie, if Opal is the dictionary definition of the sweetest old lady in church, Lonnie is the most rotten, sour, full of the devil type of husband that you can be. I'm speaking about a dead man. God forgive me. Let me give you an example. She, he forbid Opal to go to church. Opal was faithful to church. Too poor to have a car, so they'd have to come pick her up. One time he took the butcher knife and cut her dress and said, I told you not to go to that church. 
And sweet Opal says, you'll have to excuse me. I'll be back in just a moment. Went and changed into another dress and went ahead and went on to church. He hated the church. Hated the church. Hated the ministry. Hated the Bible. He just hated life. But Opal would pray for her husband nearly every service. And in the process of time, that mean old coot, if you will, started the beginning process of Alzheimer's and turned into the nicest man on the block. I remember the service sitting on the platform when when he walked in with his wife into service. I nudged my dad. I said, out of the side of my mouth, do you see who just walked in here? I mean, you just have to know the backstory. He was an awful man. I was there when he slipped out of the sea, walked towards, and I, I was like in slow motion, like I'm supposed to be a preacher of faith, but I cannot believe that Lonnie is going to the, and I cannot believe that Lonnie now has his hands. I cannot believe that Lonnie is speaking in tongues. It was, it was Opal's son. His name was Clay. Clay was a super guy. But Clay struggled with drugs, so he was in and out. Probably in, in the 20 years I knew Clay, he probably backslid 15 times. Had a heart of gold, but just couldn't get there. But he was, he was on one of his runs, and uh, he had a dream. God gave him a dream of the rapture and missing the rapture and he dreamed about a devastating earthquake. It shook him out. He called me before the sun came up, said, Pastor, I got to get right. Clay, we love you. Come on back. He come back to church and uh, he prayed back through and would you know a month later he had a massive heart attack and he killed over dead. Why do you tell those two stories? Because it was the sure mercies of God and a praying mama and a praying wife that prayed day after day after day against all odds, against the most stacked deck. But it happened in the God's perfect timing, just like a fire can burn underneath and then explode at just the right time. I wish I had Sister Mickey here tonight to let her tell you how many times she prayed for her brother-in-law, Frank, over 40 years. Frank was a professor at the university. In fact, he was at several universities. Very intelligent man, multiple degrees after his name. He was an atheist, And get this, he taught world religions. He mocked the family's doctrine. But Sister Mickey would pray and pray and pray. Frank was 83 years old the first time he ever came to an apostolic church. He came in on a cane. 
Once again, I remember when he raised his hands, he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was the most sweetest experience in all the world. Six months later, they go on a family vacation. They go into McDonald's and he steps off the curb and bangs his head and never regains conscience. And he goes out into eternity, a saved man, saved at 83 years of age, six months after a Holy Ghost fire erupted in his soul. I've come to tell somebody you've prayed a long time. Don't you dare give up praying. Uh, revival's coming to your family. Uh, revival's coming to your prodigal. Uh, revival's coming to your city. You may not see it for a decade. Uh, you may not see it for two decades. Uh, but I've just given you two proof texts uh, that if you pray, uh, if you believe, uh, you don't have to see an immediate sign. Uh, because some fires are burning in the root even tonight. You don't know somebody's laying upon their bed. Something you minister to them. You may not know what's burning in this city right now. But I know when the Holy Ghost apostolic root fire begins to burn. Something great is going to It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we were people that wanted to get involved in horse breeding, and you wanted the best of the best, if I can have the next slide, you would want to have the horse by the name of Tappet come and be in your bloodline. Tappet is a horse that in recent years, a couple years ago, uh, had had more winning offspring than any other horse that was out there. Just to have this horse come to your ranch as a stud fee, you would pay $300,000 because proven in his genetics, 
in his DNA. There was something that was a cut above everything else. It was a little faster and had a little more endurance and it produced winners. Or we could talk about the horse by the name of American Pharaoh. The next slide there. American Pharaoh is a famous, famous horse. In 215, it won the Triple Crown, which is the Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont Stakes. It won all three of them. But what's amazing about this great horse and its great feet 2015 is it's from another lineage. It is the great, great, great grandson of Secretariat. If we can have the next slide. That horse right there is actually the great, great, great grandfather of American Pharaoh. And it was said of him up there uh, that he was the best runner. He could run in the mud. He could run on dry tracks. Uh, he could run on the rail or he could run outside. He could come from behind or he could stay in the lead. Uh, and he won on his great day the triple crown, his final race by 31 horse lengths, uh, which is amazing. Usually it's a few feet uh, or just the nudge of a head. But watch, 42 years later, his great, great, great grandson, American Pharaoh, did the same feat that he did 42 years later. Why do you talk about that? Because I want you to know once again that when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you were birth uh, with a dynamic power. Uh, you see in your lineage, uh, in your roots, uh, you have the likes of a Noah that builds a boat before there's ever been a rain. Uh, you have in your DNA uh, people that walk around walls uh, and shout uh, and walls fall down. Uh, you have in your DNA uh, people that get out of boats uh, and walk on water. Uh, you have in your spiritual roots system. People that say bake me your last cake and march all night long and command the sun to stand still and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and destroy the adversary that is in your roots. I come against the spirit of fear. I come against timidity. In your roots is a winning overcoming power. Mm. 
There is, near where we live, there is a big move to restructure the original uh, 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 pathway of the river. Of course, they're taking out all the dams and people that uh, operate heavy equipment in our church, they, they go up, a lot of this takes place, we're surrounded by reservations and they are uh, doing something called rewilding the environment. They have these original maps and they're going in, logging roads and drop sediment in and change where the river used to make a curve. Now it just might make a straight shot. And now they are going back and putting the river in the original uh, pathway that it first, first had when God created as far back as their records go. And they're removing all of the road systems that the logging trucks created. And now it just looks like a continuous landscape. And it is a process of rewilding. I wonder today if we're part of a root system that we're surrounded with in the church world that has dumbed down faith and, and has tamed a passion and a wildness about the things of God. Can I tell you, faith was never supposed to be tamed. It was never supposed to be controlled. It was never supposed to be manipulated. You need to rewild your faith and put it in its original context that came straight from heaven. I'm not interested in what somebody says in the Vatican. I'm not interested in somebody uh, that is not even spirit-filled uh, telling me how to have apostolic revival in South Dakota. i tell you how we're going to have it uh, when we have the same wild faith uh, that the first church had. Uh, are we going to believe God? Are we going to believe man? You need to rewild your belief system today to what is original. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to die trying for the name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray right now. Find someone to slip your hand around. 
I want you to pray specifically that there would be a rewilding of their faith and their passion and approach to the things of God. Go ahead, find somebody. Pray right now that there would be a wild faith, a spirit of faith that would come on them that was on the first church, that was upon those that have gone before. I pray, dear God, that there would not be any limit. If they would rip off a roof to get somebody to Jesus, give me that kind of faith and mentality. Whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. Give us a wild faith. Give us reckless faith. Give us aggressive faith. Give us trailblazing faith. Give us maverick faith. Give us crazy faith. Give us standalone faith. Give us break the protocol faith. Out of the box faith. Greater than history faith. feel like talking about something big today. Seventeen twenty-seven. You can be seated. It's the Moravian Prayer Revival. If you've never studied about it, study about it. It's a prayer revival that lasted for a hundred years. It's a little group of people that came and they began to believe together. There was just 300 people. Zin Zindorf, a guy who did it, he had a motto. His motto was, I have one passion. It is Jesus and Jesus only. They were just a nucleus of 300 people. Watch now. In 20 years, they had sent more missionaries than they had previously sent in 200 years because there was a 100-year prayer revival. I want to talk big just for a moment. I want to plant some seeds of bigness in your heart today. It would be a wonderful thing 
if you would establish thriving churches and they would be bigger than this church. A hundred people, let's say in six towns next year, that would be incredible. That would be such a revival. But is that as big as we can believe for? What if God is trying to get our attention today to have an awakening like came to the Welsh people, Evan Roberts. They diagnosed him as religious mania. They would find him on the side of the road in a trance-like state. But you read what happened to that entire nation. A revival came. You've heard the stories. They had to retrain the mules because people weren't cussing at them anymore. You couldn't buy a Bible. Every schoolyard, they were having a revival prayer meeting because somebody came in there with a fire in his belly and said, we're going to have it. It's just like Gypsy Smith. He drew a circle, said, let revival start inside of the circle. What if God wants to use South Dakota to launch end time revival as a great awakening in the last day. I hope we're not just hoping uh, for a hundred member church. Thank God for a hundred souls. Uh, one is enough for Calvary. Uh, but what if God wants to come in with a bulldozer uh, and launch this thing in a supernatural way? It's in your DNA. It's in your roots. Uh, your elders, uh, your forefathers did it. Uh, you have the same Holy Ghost. Uh, it doesn't matter. You may stutter like Moses did. But if you follow the plan of God, he'll make a way. You give him what's in your hand. He'll change a separate staff into the rod of God that can split a Red Sea. It's in your roots. It's in your roots. It's in your roots. The devil can't stop it. It's in your roots today. Everything you read about, it can happen in South Dakota. It can happen in Watertown. Oh, God, I want to be fuel that that fire can explode up. I want to have a believing spirit, a willing heart. I want to present myself a living sacrifice and say, God, let that fire burning underneath burn up me. Set my soul on fire. What are our roots today? Give me a couple more minutes. Our roots are Acts 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly 
in the apostles' doctrine. Hear me from California today. Don't you dare be a cheap sellout. Don't you dare in a thousand graves, don't you ever sell out an apostolic doctrine. The Bible says, he says, I can't give you this, this garden because it was given to me for an inheritance. It's not for you to change. It's not for you to alter. It's not for you to fit this generation. Don't you dare be a cheap sellout. Your root is apostolic doctrine. You must be born again of water and spirit and save yourself from this untoward generation. I'm so thankful for 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and save them that hear thee. Said they continue in the apostles' doctrine. This your roots and in fellowship. You know what I felt to tell this church last night? That what was around this altar, I really feel like it was a spirit of prophecy. There's going to come a time when that happens. Are you ready for this? 24 hours a day. I believe this is going to be a birthing center. I believe this house is truly going to be what Christ wanted for his church. A house of prayer. A house of prayer. I believe it's going to happen in the midnight hour. It's going to happen throughout the day. Don't try to figure it out. Just tell God you're on board. Don't try to say how's it going to happen. Just say yes to God. Whatever part you can play. But there's going to be a praying church in the last day. And it might as well be you. If God always uses a praying people, why not get on board? Why not throw caution? What are you waiting for? Dear God, the coming of the Lord. Lord, draw nigh. We hasten towards that day. This is a day to lay it all on the line and do what the first church did. That every day they were in prayers at the hour of prayer. And we're going to do it together. They went together. Turn to your neighbor and say we're in this together. Together is the key of apostolic roots. Breaking of bread. Allow me to jump. Can I preach a little longer? This is my last time to preach. I may not ever be in Watertown again. Let me give you some prayers I think we need to pray between now and the coming of the Lord. I think we need to pray for the spirit of discernment. The Bible says the carnal man cannot receive those things, but they are only spiritually discerned. A still, small voice. How do you hear the voice of God? Let me give you one way that will help you. Elijah is in the cave, and the Lord comes in a whisper, the still, small voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the wind and the earthquake. You have to get beyond the sensationalism. You have to hear the voice of God. My question to you, how come Elijah couldn't hear the still small voice in, in under the juniper tree like he did in the cave? 
What's the difference between Juniper Tree when he said, I'm the only one that has not forsaken you and I just want to die? What's the only event that took place between Juniper Tree and, and the cave? A 40-day fast. I'm not saying 40 days, but the only difference in Elijah being able to discern the still small voice was an extended fast. We're going to have to pray for discernment. You need to pray against the spirit that comes in as a, a, a delusionment that tries to come upon people's mind. You need to pray and say, God, give me a love for truth because delusion and revelation feel the same. It's both a work of the adversary, seducing spirits. You need to pray for a love for truth and every day say, God, I've got to have a work of the spirit being done in my heart and life. I think it's important as apostolic roots that we see the fullness of it. That we pray for the hand of God to rest upon us. We can't do this thing by ourselves. The Bible says that the good hand of God was upon Nehemiah and he rebuilt the walls that the adversary has taken down. The Bible tells us in Genesis 49, 22, 23, and 24 that when Joseph put his hands upon that bow, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord put his hands on top of Joseph's hands and helped him pull back that bow. There are going to be things that God asks of you between now and the rapture that you cannot physically do in yourself. But if you pray for the hand of God, the same hand of God that rested upon Nehemiah to build a wall and Joseph to fulfill his lot in life. How did the first church evangelize? Acts 11 and 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord the Bible says Jabez prays let your hand be upon me and keep me from evil what would happen if we would make it a prayer request every day God let your hand rest upon me lead me and let me fulfill your plan through your strength and through your power. I believe God is going to do a quick work in this last day. We're just talking about Joseph. Joseph was in the pit. He was in Potiphar's house, forgotten in prison. You know the story. But in one moment of time, in one call, in one night, he went from a forgotten prisoner to the governor of the land overnight. You want to talk about a root fire. You want to talk about the fulfillment of God's promise. It happened overnight. One day is with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years as one day. I know it took you 15 years to get to this side. But I don't believe it's going to take another 15 years just to double. When God gets ready to do a work, he could do a quick work overnight. I think for apostolic fires to work, we need to pray for supernatural direction and positioning. 
Acts chapter 16, they had this great vision to go into Asia. God said, no. He said, we want to go into Bithynia. He said, no. But in the middle of the night, a man from Macedonia, they had a vision. And God wrought a great work that night. I'm here to tell you, he'll still give you a vision if you ask. If you're still looking, I promise you, apostolic root fire is going to burn. David said, I don't know how I'm supposed to win the victory against the enemy uh, and the Bible says David uh, when you hear the mum, uh, the rumbling in the mulberry bush uh, what was that I personally believe it was the angels uh, tiptoeing across the top of those buildings uh, he said set ambush against them uh, there is going to be supernatural uh, divine impartation uh, and supernatural uh, direction and positioning that God is going to believe I believe he's going to give you words to say that you could not. He said, when you stand before magistrates, open your mouth wide and I'm going to feel it. It's going to be a divine work. It's just going to explode. It's been burning underground. I think we need to pray for supernatural assistance. Hebrews 11, 1 and 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Bible would tell us that when Jesus was beginning his ministry, that the angels of the Lord came after the enemy departed and ministered to him. Who do you think showed up in the garden of Gethsemane? While he wrestled with the cup that he was going to drink, the Bible said the angels of the Lord came and provided him strength. It came to Gideon while he was under the oak fearing uh, the enemy and hiding, and he proclaimed, Thy mighty man of valor. Last year we had an angelic visitation at the house. It was a time when we were seeking the face of God, and I had gone upstairs to take a nap. I was a little weak in my body. We had a house full of company, and and uh, Steph was finishing the dishes, and and uh, she finished the dishes, and she sat down on the couch. She took her shoes off. And uh, I was restless on the bed. I couldn't lay there, so I come back down. Come down our stairs. Steph's sitting on the couch. She's crying. Come on, baby. She said, he, he came to see me. Tell me, she said, I thought you may not believe me, so I got out my phone to take a picture of it, and it stopped immediately, because she's the spiritual one out of the two of us. But tell me, she said, the rocking chair, there's two rocking chairs, but one of them, she said, it just went down like a grown man, it just rocking all by itself. There's a bunch of stuff going on. She said, why, why? I said, he just wants you to know he's right here with us. You're not doing life all by your own. I'm not talking about wacky, far out stuff. I'm talking real human beings, real life stuff that you're not by yourself. It's been that way from the beginning of time. 
the angelic host has been there to assist you every step of the way. It's, he's in this room today. The angels of the Lord encamp round about them. You're not by yourself. That ought to create such a boldness in you. It ought to eliminate worry and pessimism out of your heart. That world is more real than this world is today. And as we go forward claiming apostolic fire, that's going to explode. I believe that fire is going to fall from heaven. I believe in Brother Barnes' prophecy of fireballs over cities. But I also believe that through your roots, you've been baptized unto Abraham. And you're going to see the fulfillment of Abraham's blessing. And Abraham had a blessing upon God. And that you are going to see that in this last day. It was the angel as a pillar of fire that brought separation between the nation of Israel and their enemy and brought shade from the heat. It was an angel that delivered Lot and his family out of the city. It was an angel that delivered the apostles in chapter 5. It was an angel that delivered Peter in chapter 12. It was an angel that intervened. I believe we need to pray in this last day. We can't do it by ourselves. But when the angelic host of heaven comes alongside, you can do what others cannot do. He could even save a backslidden prophet from himself, Balaam, on his way to curse what God had tried to bless. But an angel stood in the way. Oh God, help us in this last day to release that dimension upon your church. We need to pray it every single day. Open my servant's eyes that he could see. And when his eyes were open, there was a host of heaven that surrounded him. Oh God, I pray that you would do it. Pray you could do it. I believe the last day church is going to be a praying church. It was the queen who said, I fear the prayers of John Knox. When I do all of the armies or 10,000 of his armies. My grandmother died as a baby. During those days, the doctor made house calls. He came to the house, Grace Larson. Checked her over. Grace Larson was her married name. Grace Urshan was her maiden name. Doctor came, removed his hat, bowed his head and said, I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. Urshan. She was a beautiful baby. Signed the death certificate and walked out. After the doctor left, my great-grandfather, Adi Urshan, lifted that baby up to heaven said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I'm asking you to bring life back into this baby. That baby started coughing immediately and breathing as she lived a ripe old age of some 90 years of age. But I also show you a man where in his prayer closet there were actually grooves in the floor where he spent hours in prayer. Listen to the family talk. 
They had to go around. They would sing a song. They said anytime grandpa was at the table, the food got cold because they all had to say a prayer. They all had to sing a song. My mom tells me that when grandpa came to the house, he would say, Marilyn in his Middle Eastern dialect, have you spoken in tongues today? And if she said no, he would say, come in. And he would take his hand and he would lay his hand on her and would pray for her until she began to talk in tongues. Go to Russia, hear the stories where the firing squads, you've heard them all, stop preaching, he wouldn't do it. Do you have one more thing you want to say? He said, I wanted to pray. He raised his hand, started praying, speaking in tongues. When he opened his eye, there was not a person around. There were, they were there with guns to kill him. And the person sitting next to him said, I thought you said you don't know Russian. He said, I don't know Russian. I was just praying. He said, you just said in the most fluid dialect that if you dare pull the trigger against me, the angels of heaven are going to destroy you. There was such conviction. They dropped their gun and left. That's available to anybody. God is not a respecter of persons. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive that same longitude and latitude in the Spirit if you but believe and have a desire and a zeal inside of you that says, I want to see it in my generation. I want to touch it and taste it. I want to see a dimension of God moving and touching and reviving. I want it so bad here tonight. You're looking at a 51-year-old man that's a madman to see the fire of God fall in this last day. I don't know about you, but something says pray again, believe again, cast your bread on the water again, because I believe that fire is going to shoot up from the roots. We prayed too many prayers. We fasted too many days. We've evangelized too many times. God's going to do it in clear water. God's going to do it in this town. Water town. Let me talk to you about one final prayer. We've talked about the angelic host of heaven. We've talked about the work of the supernatural. The devil cannot stop it. The only thing that can stop it is us. The final prayer that I suggest that we make part of our repertoire is a prayer for a deeper purity of spirit. You remember what the words were before they went into the promised land. Sanctify yourself. For tomorrow you'll see the wondrous works of God. Right before there was a demonstration and right before there was the fulfillment of God's promises. They abstained from all 
They sanctified their heart in flesh. If I can impress upon you, I'm going to be gone in the morning, but if I can impress upon you, the enemy cannot stop it. We can only disqualify ourselves if we step out of bounds. Let there be a reverence toward the Spirit of God. Let there be a reverence towards the man of God. Let there be a reverence towards the Spirit and the Word of God. This is not any other building. This is the house of God. This is where God dwells and he lives inside of you. Don't don't drag him through the mud. Don't do anything that makes him feel uncomfortable. This is the greatest hour of the church. This is the prophetic hour of the church. You're going to see the rapture. You're going to see dead raised. You're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You're going to see masses receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the form and the latter in the same month it will come to a hungry people just don't get caught up with the things of this world there is nothing in this world that can compare to eternity and being used by God being used by God is greater than being the president of the United States being a conduit of God's presence is worth more than a million dollars it's the highest calling in all of the world. I would like to conclude tonight by reminding you of that verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. I can't cleanse my own heart. Who can say I have made my heart clean or I'm pure from my sin? I can't be good enough myself. I can't be righteousness myself. I've got to have a righteous God. My flesh is flesh. It's unregenerated. I need a holy God to come and make me whole and keep me aligned and keep me positioned. Every evil thought, every evil thought, oh God, you got to wash it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God. Who shall ascend under the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and pure heart, not sworn himself deceitfully. Oh God, let a greater degree and hunger of purity sweep the last day, church. The promise, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him this preacher from California is asking this great congregation that I'm just in awe at that we would conclude tonight with a prayer for greater purity in our minds, our motives in our spirits because it's a fire that the enemy cannot stop and as long as we're pure you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, you're going to touch it, you're going to make a boot track in God's promised land Jordan will roll back you will walk across and see with your eyes, you're going to experience the glory of God if We keep our heart pure before Him. I'm finished preaching.
I'm asking you to respond to the word of the Lord and say, oh God, let there be purity like I've never known before. I know I I walk, God, without a a sin in my life, obvious sin, but cleanse me from secret faults. Cleanse me from those things, God, that I'm not even aware of. Take me to a whole nother level and dimension, God. God, you create a heart that's so clean and a heart that's so pure.